Hello. Hi, Anne Marie. Hey, Anne, how are you? How things? Good, not bad. Grand, grand. Is that your phone ringing there in the background? No, that's not me. No, that was me. Sorry. Anne Marie, we've Grenine Norton joining us on the podcast today. Is that okay? No problem at all. Okay, Anne Marie, we let you go first. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and what you're doing? Yeah, so I suppose, Alan, I'm a principal of a school here in County Loud, uh, Tully Donald. Um, we uh, we have four classes for children with a diagnosis of autism here, um, early intervention classes. So we feel really passionate about the whole area of autism. My background would be um, that after being trained as a teacher, that I went and did two years in King's College in uh, neurology or okay. neuroscience and psychology of mental health. Okay. And I'm currently in Trinity doing uh, psychoanalytic psychotherapy with my area of interest being around the area of autism and the individual with autism and how, um, you know, kind of, I suppose, it, the attunement with the child with autism and how best to kind of meet their needs. Okay, so, okay. That's my background. Now, can you tell me about the act, please? Yes, of course. So, so basically, how we got involved or got really in- interested in the whole area of the Epson Act was through our own experience. So, the Epson Act is based on um, an ideology around the idea of inclusion. So, right. the the, pol- the the policy then, the Epson Act then was put into policy, um, which was uh, in two thousand and four. But what we experienced here in Tully Donnell was that it didn't follow through in practice. And this is where we became very interested in this. So the ideology is is admirable. Like it, it lays out very clearly the need for uh, the right for children to, to be able to attend mainstream education uh, where it's in their best interest and in the interest of all. Um, and but but the but the main crux of the issue, what we found was the problem was when it came to the, the actual inclusion itself, the resources weren't uh, provided for these children to be included. So obviously we had three children here who were um, moving on from early intervention. Yeah. Three children with a diagnosis of autism. Uh, they went to wanted to be enrolled in junior infants. We were absolutely thrilled and you know celebrated their success uh, in coming on so far, and we're delighted to enroll them in the school. Um, I never thought it was there was going to be any issue. Applied for this process, which was called an exceptional re- review process through NCSE, which are the National Council for Special Education. Okay. And we were refused any support to enroll them. We were told to use the resources that we already had in the school. Now, this this kind of how this played out then was there was a little girl further up the school with medical needs. We had to take her SNA um, support from her in order for the children coming in and junior infants to attend school. So that left that girl without an SNA, is that for right? For a full year. For a full, a full year. year. Right, so it right, was, right. It was very, very stressful. Um, and I suppose, like, you know, when we look here at the latest piece of legislation around the Admissions Act, uh, which I welcome, I, I, I wholeheartedly welcome, my concern around the this new piece of legislation, which, which leaves uh, schools in a position where they cannot refuse to take somebody in. Now, it's not that anybody would want to take a child in with additional needs, but sometimes principals are very concerned about welcoming children in and then not having the resources to ensure their health, their safety, their welfare needs are met within school. So yeah. there's a little, there's a little um, 
uh, gap there, you know, in terms of we all as principals want to welcome everybody to our schools. However, we need to be ensured that children have the correct resources to allow them to reach their full potential. And if these resources aren't put in place, then that's failure for everybody, unfortunately. Of course, of course. And have you been in contact with any TDs or anything like that? Or... Oh, yes. Yeah. So we we actually, Alan, we marched to the Dáil last year. So right. we went to the Dáil. We, we we were in contact with Josefa Madigan. Now, our um, our situation has been resolved here in our school in terms that we had a most unprecedented situation. Um, the Department of Education sent a delegation of people here, two from NCSE, two NEP psychologists and our school inspector to come to our school and to, you know, basically evaluate what had happened in the school. And the outcome, the outshot of that was that, that the system had failed our school. Right, so that was right. actually said, the system has failed your school. So we were then given the resources that we had applied for the previous September. So we were a full year without the resources that in the end were acknowledged were needed in the beginning, if you know what I mean. Right, right. I'd say there's plenty of skills around without the, resource, the proper resources. You know? Every school. Every yeah. school. We're not a, we're, we are not a unique, uh, we are not a unique um, school in any, in any uh, sense. And I suppose that's where we have kind of, our group here in Tully Donnell and Northeast parents have kind of come together and we've said, well, look, we, we fought the battle for our school, but we're looking at every school in Ireland and every yeah. child in Ireland who needs the right, you know, needs the the resources for that right to to be fulfilled so okay. you know and and so we're we're really um uh, i suppose urging parents and schools to to uh to put in a submission for this epson act review uh to, to let the department of education and the the government know uh, what's needed in order for the epson act to be fulfilled uh correctly okay okay granine have you any questions for Amory? Um, I don't well on the video that you had it sounded as if you wanted to get rid of SNAs and ASE classes but I don't think you do by what you're saying no. there I think no, like in the Epson Act, and I would agree with with the way the Epson Act had been has been you know uh, laid out. Um, in the Epson Act, it says you know where it's in the best interests of the individual and like you know we have a, a number of different children here in the school we know it's not always in the child's best interest there are certain children whose sensory needs are such that it would be unfair for yeah, them to be put you know to put, yeah absolutely and that well, has to be acknowledged should, yeah in our situation she should be able to the way i see it is inclusion doesn't happen in a lot of schools with ASD classes I'm sure you know yourself mm -hmm. because there isn't the staff members to bring Absolutely. the children in and Absolutely. I know my daughter would benefit from that from being around because she's like what I would call now semi-verbal yes and she would benefit from being like all the professionals have all said it she would benefit from being around other children, her peers oh, told absolutely. I 100% agree with you. And if you look, so when you're getting your diagnosis for ASD, you're looking at the triad of impairments. So you're looking at the social piece, the communication piece, and then there's the repetitive and restrictive behaviours mm. piece. And I suppose what we look at, you know, when we're looking at the whole piece around ASD is you know we don't see we see it as a different way of being in the world it's not for us a disability but it's about having the understanding around how to to include the child 
in 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 a way that that they can do it comfortably yeah, and like music or art or whatever bits that they're exactly. able to participate exactly. in I think they should be able to participate in but it's not the school's fault I want to make that clear because a lot of parents think it is schools and no. stuff like that it's not it's no. just that you don't have the resources the resources are do there. these things absolutely they aren't there Absolutely. And the other thing that I would say in relation to that is what we would look at is, you know, small exposures and building up the tolerance over time. Mm. So starting off small, like you say, a little bit of Ashtar or a little bit of joint attention activities in the playground or whatever scaffolding is done and that you build up that tolerance over time so that it, it's not so persecutory for the child. And then they become very confident and they're able to engage engage and be included in the class. So it's a process. It's not a quick fix. It's about mm. looking and saying, right, we're going to make sure you meet your reach your full potential because these children on the whole are very bright children. Yeah. And just because they don't communicate perhaps in the same way um, as neurotypical people, and even you can ask what is neurotypical because everybody is so different. Um, you know, but but I think we have to be very careful about the cognitive bias that that, you know, that's there at the minute around um, what communication looks like, what a mainstream child looks like. A child is a child. And so what we have to be able to do is to pull back, see the child's potential. And that takes patience. It takes time. It takes having different um, methods and strategies of assessing the child, especially if the child is pre-verbal. But it's, it's about not just looking and saying this child can't do, but it's about looking and saying what do we need to do to allow this child to do if you yeah, know what i'm saying yeah. you know and because a lot of the resources aren't there at the moment does does kids suffering absolutely in mainstream skill just that oh, they're just thrown in and we're able oh, to proper resources there you know it's i would actually say it's cruel if you allow a child in a classroom and you're not taking them out for sensory breaks when it, that that sense of overwhelm on a sensory level. And I'm talking about children who are in mainstream, yeah. who are tolerating, masking, coping. This is where later on it this kind of where 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 sensory needs aren't met. This is where we end up with mental health problems down the line. And yeah. so we have to be so cognizant of the fact that just because a child is sitting there and looks like they're doing fine, that we have to be very careful that 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 we're that 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 we're not seeing an overspill when those children go home. That it's actually they're tolerating that environment and they're they're coping, but it's actually having a really negative effect on their mental health and the parents at home are seeing the 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 overspill will say when they get home and, I and it can, yes sorry go ahead it can be something as small as the window being open and a breeze coming in can be yes. the sensory effects on a face or yes. a light that needs that's blinking Absolutely. or it, just being I know myself from being autistic like all of these things mm -hmm. when I was younger yes. I remember because I was diagnosed as an adult yes but like even counting the bricks on the wall and stuff like that regulated me yes. and I've always done it yes but if I didn't not every person has the understanding to do that themselves and the self-regulation to Absolutely. do that and that's going to end up with burnout yes. meltdowns yes. and it's going to look like the child is like answering the teacher back and being cheeky and stuff but it's their tolerance and their patience Absolutely. level is just going and not everyone understands that that's not the child being cheeky and mean and answering back or whatever it's literally they're at their limit like if you lose your patience with someone and you snap 
it can happen to child as well and that's that stuff is happening to children and stuff like that and it can be something so small as a window being open or a light blinking and it just builds up over time they might be fine for a couple of days or a couple of weeks Absolutely. but just one day can just turn things Absolutely. And I think understanding is needed for that that it can be little it can be big things too but it can be something so small that they will need to be removed from the class even if it seems like they're doing well absolutely being yeah. aware in advance that they're going to need these movement breaks or just a bit of space of out of that environment absolutely. to give them a break from that environment as well can help big time absolutely and i think the the other the other aspect of it is that um you know that we have to acknowledge that when we see behavior the behavior isn't it's not a black and white thing it's not a good bold it's a behavior is a communication when we see a child you know acting out or having a meltdown or whatever you want to call it you have to say what's happened to this child or what's going on for this child not this child isn't doing what i want them to do but we need to understand what is happening for this child and and ensure that that it's addressed you know um at the end of the day it's about empathy it's about understanding and empathy and understanding different ways of being in the world and allowing for that and supporting that so we can write everything that we need to write down in legislation we can have policies to beat the band but until the resources and the supports are put in place to back that up the spirit of the epson act means nothing if the supports aren't there to allow it to be fully implemented and that would be my my take on it and i suppose part of that um which i feel very strongly about is the is the the part in the in the epson act which refers to the health board so like you're talking about the hse and i think with you know certainly from an early intervention point of view families are being very badly let down in this country at the minute very yep. badly let down on a speech and language level on an ot level on a psychology level and like we all know that early intervention is key in terms of you know the outcomes for children um and i think you know at the minute there there is an acknowledgement yes we don't have enough OTs, we don't have an slts but this is something that we need to look at it's not good enough to say there's not enough yeah we need to be yeah. proactive we need to pull back have a vision and say why don't we have enough what's wrong that we don't have enough yeah. no more than carers in home support if you don't pay people properly if the conditions aren't right the working conditions you're not going to keep your staff and we need these staff in order for our children to develop and to reach their potential so there needs to be more investment in i suppose college places for ot's slt's and psychologists better conditions in the hse and i'm going to state it better conditions for these people to want to do these jobs because if you're not if the conditions aren't correct people aren't going to want to stay and then everybody suffers so and there needs to be a link up between schools and hse uh, that that these multidisciplinary teams are are working in in collaboration with schools and everybody's working in the best interests of the children for the very best outcome. And the, the yeah. sad part about it is this has been going on for years upon Absolutely. years. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. And, and the only people that are really suffering is the kids themselves. Yes. And they and have no voice. They have and, no voice. And they have no vote. 
And I think this is what I would, for anybody listening to this podcast, what I would say is that we are only a civilized society when we look after those who are most vulnerable. So our elderly, our children, those with disabilities. And if we're not doing that, regardless of what infrastructure we have and what our, how well our country is doing, we have nothing if we can't look after our most vulnerable. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think the main point here is to get other, the other autism groups involved in this because yes. um, there's a bit, bit of a division within the autism community at the moment. We just need everyone to come together and Absolutely. Think, of, think of the kids, think yes. of the autistic adults, and let's get the help that that you need, the resources Absolutely. that you need. I think with the Epson Act, though, it's not even just autism. It's everything. It's everything. Like Inclusion yeah. Ireland. I was at a meeting last night in Louth Inclusion and at the fairways and in, uh, Derville McDonough was there and she was saying exactly the same thing. It's the staff in the HSC are leaving and they're not working with the children. That's not what they did the degrees for. They did the degrees and got the qualifications to work with children yes. and to, to do that. Yes. They're not doing that in the HSC right now. And that's a problem. Yeah, that's absolutely. why people are leaving is because they're not doing the job that they wanted to do. And these so, people are, are, are so, they're so invested. Like these are really good, are, are the best of the best. Mm. And, 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 you know, it, it's a, it's a real message. I mean, if, if, if it's, the, it's, it's a real message to the government, something's not right. Something's yeah. not right. The system is failing. The system is, is failed and is broken. Yes. It's definitely broken. Yes. To, as, as I said, we, we need we need everybody to come together on this and just think of the kids and think of the, the adults as well that are not getting services and everything else. Absolutely. We just all have to put our heads together. If we have differences of opinion, we can sit down and talk about it and work it out. But if we don't come all together, this is not going to happen. And Absolutely. it needs to happen now because it's been, it's been put in the back burner for way too long and too many people have suffered and are still suffering so that's what we need to do absolutely i agree i think you know certainly here um the element of divisiveness it can be wonderful as a defense because when you've got the division what you've got is little groups trying to work and working against each other working on their own what we found here in tully donnell and i have a wonderful school community here we had a situation where the department, uh, NCSC, were basically saying, oh, Anne-Marie has all the resources there. She has the resources to be able to, you know, go to her and she'll figure it all out. I was there knowing I didn't have the resources. And so what I said was, guys, we all need to come together. Parents and school come together. Let's sit down. Let's look at the reality on the ground and let's see what we can do. So when everybody comes together, it's like, you know, many hands make light work. It really is the case when everybody comes together you can really make a difference because yeah. everybody's working for the one purpose. The one um, goal. Yeah. yeah. I actually and watched that meeting that you had on, Marie, the very first meeting I think you had. Oh, very good, yes. I actually watched that. I think Damien Connolly was there as That's well. Right. A couple of parents. I'm in Louds myself as well, so oh, it was really like interesting as well. And I actually know a couple of children that have gone to your school and nothing but amazing talk from parents about your school oh, so I just wanted to say that as well oh that's but, so kind yeah I, I, I do agree I think things need to be done at at a local level as well and then all the local levels get together if that makes sense I yeah. think that's where it needs to start yes. I think like what you've done in Northeast Louth I think like that that works yes and then 
somewhere someone in Meath needs to do it someone in every county or a couple in each county need to do it and then get together and have the representatives from all of those things come together Absolutely. and meet with people I think that is the way to work to be perfectly honest and just, and, and just because you have a difference of opinion doesn't mean it won't be listened to and it won't be worked out to come to a main goal where we can all say this is what we have to do Absolutely. I think yeah. at the end of the day, it's respect for everybody and everybody's opinion, you know, yeah. and, and it's about coming together. And and of course, that the child is at the centre of everything we do, that the, the outcome for the child, for the adult, for the teenager, whoever it is. And, you know, if every adult with a diagnosis was a child with a diagnosis. And it's about, you know, looking and making sure that we have the best outcomes and the best supports for everybody so that everybody can live their life to the full and 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 contribute to society you know exactly. yeah exactly. we we all want the best for the kids the adults the teenagers that's all we want absolutely and when it comes to the government they're they're just spinning a lot of stuff that's not going to happen basically like July provision for instance they're saying that the resources are going to be there when they're not really well I'll, i can explain to you about july provision and i explained yeah. this very recently to the parents in our school so if i give you the example of our school July provision. I don't do July provision here in the school, and I'll tell you why I don't. Okay. Because each of the children that 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 uh, that are here in the school, the the people that I pick when we when we go to interview, the people that the panel picks are the people who are invested, who are passionate, who are compassionate, who who want to do the best for these children. Yeah. Um, and I suppose. There's a lot of training. There's a lot of investment gone into the people who are working with our children, especially our children who have additional needs. Yeah. Now, with July provision, there is no mo there is no obligation on any teacher or SNA to uh, do July provision. Yeah. So, if you can imagine my position as principal of the school, I have four classes, 24 children in early intervention and many children up the school who would be eligible for July provision. Okay. If I can't ensure, so if I can't, it, it, there's the other piece within this is the relational piece. So we can't underestimate the relational piece between the teacher and the child or the SNA and the child. That piece that's built up over time, the trust, the care, you know, the, the all that's been done with these children. If I were to, if I didn't have half my staff, if I didn't have, if I only had a quarter of my staff, I would feel very, very um, uneasy. Uneasy about hiring people to come in that I didn't know, that I hadn't trained, that didn't know the children, that didn't know the children's needs. That's not something you can do overnight. This yeah. is something that's built up over time. And actually, as I said to the parents here, if you had somebody who came in and not, not intentionally, but due to not having enough training or knowing the child well enough or having sufficient training, if you had somebody come in and 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 did damage in terms of that a child was upset or something happened and the child had a very bad association with, then that child's coming back to school in September with a very, you know, with absolutely. So we have to be really delicate and careful about how we, you know, it, these things can't be lift service. We can't just throw out, oh, we're going to do July provision without looking at the child at the center of it again and say, well, how does this actually play out? Yeah. And, the, and the other piece within this is, and I can speak for my own staff, but I can speak, I'm sure, for many a staff all over all over Ireland. The amount of time, effort, energy that goes into 
working with children and I know not everybody will see it like this because they'll see the job as a teacher as you go in and you go out it's not like that at all and anyone coming to work in a school will know that no it's not especially yeah. in, in in ASD classes or in early intervention classes or special classes it's it's a very intensive job so by the time the summer comes a lot of these teachers and and staff are they're tired they're very very tired and need to get that bit of energy back again so that they're rejuvenated and ready to go back in September um and I suppose it's a, it's 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 some people will 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 be you know very much you know happy to do the July provision but not all will but you have to be very careful about what you're setting yourself up for and who's in, who you're introducing into the mix and how that mix works out and, and I suppose that's what where I would be saying we have to be careful about you know it's fine to say July provision but you want to make sure that the staff and the people that are doing the July provision are those that the children know, trust and are comfortable with. That's it. And Miss Maligan making these statements saying July provision will be full it'd be fully there this summer and everything else is she's living in dream world, I think. But I you yeah. know, haven't haven't spoken, haven't spoken to to the minister and, and speaking to the various people. I really do believe that everybody's trying to do their best. I honestly do I honestly do. But there are mixed messages coming in. There are people looking for July provision and it's seen as an uh, an answer to a problem. But it's only actually when you tease things out and when you pull it back that you can see where why there's an issue and why there's a problem with it. So I, I I I agree with what you're saying, Alan. I really think we need to come together, a conversation where things can be teased out and looked at objectively, every every part of it and every viewpoint looked at, I think will be really beneficial because mm. if we can get a real insight as to what the problems are on the ground and why these things are not playing out the way they should, then we can have more of an understanding of what we need to do to to, to make it work better, I suppose. Yeah. And it's not going to change overnight either. No. It's no. going to be something and people want to want change overnight. They want July provision to be sorted this year and that's it. That, it's not going to happen. It's going to be a gradual process. It's going to be something like over the next 10 years. There's but never I think, a quick fix. Let's put it that way. There's never yeah, it's never fix. a quick fix. It's going to have to be a gradual process. And I think a lot of people don't realise that is that there's a lot of changes that have been made yes. and for the better. Absolutely. Like, we didn't have ASD classes when I was in school. Absolutely. We didn't have them. So that is a change for the better. So it's not that nothing has ever been done and that we're in the same position that we were 40 years ago. We're not. No. We are more inclusive and there is supports in place that weren't there in the past. And yeah, it, it is too, only too right that they're there and it's what needs to be done. But it's it's, it's only a couple of steps towards where we need to be. And Absolutely. I don't think, like what was said last night at the meeting is, everyone's always trying to be more inclusive and we will never get there 100% because there's always going to be something to learn and something to change and mm -hmm. something to improve on. But I think the aim is to get as close to, to it there as possible, if that makes sense. Like nothing is going to change overnight. It's going to be a work in progress all the time to constantly better ourselves as a government, as a country, as a school system, as parents, as people. Like as a nation, all of those things were constantly bettering ourselves, basically. We're a work in progress, aren't we? Everyone is, though. Every yeah. human. And like you were saying earlier on about neurotypical and neurodiverse people and stuff like that, I heard one thing when I was actually in school years and years ago is, I'm unique. 
just like everyone else. Absolutely. And I love that sentence. Absolutely. I love it because it is true. It is exactly true. Everyone is unique. There is all differences and stuff. And yes, there is disabilities and all of that and wordings and stuff, but everyone is their own person and their own uniqueness and stuff. And it really does need to be what's best for that person themselves. No, Anne-Marie, I think you have an Instagram page and the... We do. We have the Epson Act Review, Epson Act Review. Um, and we actually have, the, the, I don't know if anybody has seen has seen them around um, the country. We have a, um, a lady very kindly organised for us, uh, Epson Act Review on billboards around Conley Station, um, around uh, uh, Pierce Station, down in Killarney, down in Cork, um, there's, there's, uh, I'll, I'll give you the list of where they are. It's, it's, um, Mahon Point Cork Shopping Centre, Pavilion Swords, Liffey Valley, Dundrum Town Centre, Blanchardstown, the Square Talla, uh, Killarney Rail Station, Conley, Tara Street, Houston, Grand Canal, Pearson, Malahide. There's this beautiful digital poster up called Epson Act Review, the future of Irish children lies in your hands. Have your say to help provide the basic right of education for all children. And to find out more, visit Epson Act Review on Facebook and Instagram. That's brilliant. And you've been in touch with Adam Harris, I, I take it. Uh, yeah, a, a, a representative from our group has, yes. Yeah, and he's. I think he's going to have a chat to you as well. That would be day, great. That would be wonderful. Because again, like as we were saying earlier, a, an adult with ASD started out as a child with asd yeah, and yeah. i think we need to have that cohesion we need to have a, a um a, i suppose a joined up approach where we're looking at the child in the early intervention or having just had a diagnosis and where they they end up you know in university and what's in place for them in university or in the workplace to allow everybody to integrate into society and to co contribute because some of these and i really want to state this point some of these children are going to be you know, we'll be on our knees thanking them because th these are very bright children with wonderful potential, but we have to allow them to be able to come into society. And the only way to do that is to make sure that they have the supports to do it. That's well said, Anne-Marie. That's brilliant. Now. Yeah. Well said. Have you any other questions, Grenine, or No. No, no. Well, Pretty much I, agree. I think I'll end at that if it... If you want to say anything else before we leave her at that, or no, it's a pleasure to talk to you both, and thank you very much for the opportunity to to talk on your podcast, Alan. Thank you very much, Anne Marie. Cheers, yeah. and thanks, Grenine, for coming on a short notes as well. No bother. Thanks, okay. brilliant. Lovely to talk to you both. See you now. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye.